Our scripture passage today comes from another one of the minor prophets. We've been uh, looking at the minor prophets this summer, and uh, these are just the uh, writing prophets who happen to write shorter books than the so-called greater prophets who wrote much, much longer books. So the minor prophet we're looking at today is an obscure prophet by the name of Obadiah. And he only has one chapter in his book, and we'll be looking at chap, uh, verses 15 to 21 of Obadiah. But before we read that, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Good and Heavenly Father, you have given us your immortal word, Lord, to serve us during our mortal lives. And Father, as we look and read these words you have given us, we know that we cannot understand them unless the spirit that inspired them when they were written will inspire us today. Father, speak to us through your holy word, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, Lord, into our hearts and minds that as we hear and as we read, we may also understand. Bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is from the prophet Obadiah, verses 15 to 21. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephalah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sepharhad shall possess the cities of the Negeveb. Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so this time about two years ago, we were experiencing a very different summer. I remember the notorious summer of 2020. A protest over the, uh, the death of George Floyd. And big cities often flared into disorderly riots. And it started happening all across America. In some cities, it took longer than others. In Seattle, you even had a huge occupation, an autonomous zone. Things were falling apart very, very quickly. And what happened at first in these protests over the, uh, the death of George Floyd, it was, it was a protest that you could, they were very understandable. 
There's people out there that were marching and crying out for justice over an injustice that had been done. But, but as the summer wore on, and as the, the, the protests became less about George Floyd and more about, well, just dozens and dozens of other issues, the demands of some protesters got a little bit far out there. And probably the most notorious of these demands were some protesters in a, in a few select cities that demanded that the government disband the police departments. And that was the idea. We just, we're going to want to get rid of police altogether. No more police. We're going to defund them. We're going to get rid of them or replace them with social workers or something. But with these big cities, we don't, we don't need police anymore. Now, now defunding and get rid of the police is, is one of those ideas that when you first say it, it sounds like a really bad idea. But if you think about it, and you think about it really long and hard, it's an even worse idea. Yes, one of those ideas that doesn't get better with thinking. It, it sounds bad at first, and the more you think about it, it sounds even worse. And you start wondering, why was anybody supporting this idea? I mean, there's some people that they just, you know, throw these ideas, it sounds good. But you had some very thoughtful, some, some politicians in powerful places, mostly in city councils in a few cities. It wasn't as widespread as people think, but a few of these politicians started taking this idea seriously. They wanted to get rid of the police departments. And most of them have since then all walked back on this idea. But for a while, it was like the big idea. It had caught fire, and everybody was talking about it. And what always amazed me was listening to some of the politicians' justification for wanting to disband the police departments. And one of the most common ones I heard was, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Had nothing to do with policies or crimes or law and order. It was, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Now, what do they mean by that? Being on the wrong side of history. What, what that means is that when future generations look back at us, we don't want them to think that we're the bad guys. We don't want future generations to look back at the people of 2022 and say like, oh man, can you believe those guys? Look how awful they were. Look at all the just terrible things that they did that we had to overcome. And kind of embedded in this idea is, this, is also the idea of this inevitable progress. That we're, we're progressing in one direction. And history, all of history has been progressing in this one direction to this, this idea of, of progress and what that idea is. It'll change with whoever you're talking to, but we're progressing in this idea. We're going in this, in this one direction, and you want to be on the side of progress. Because you have two sides. You have those who are always going through progress and going in the right direction, and you have those who are getting in the way of progress. And these are the... I guess the, the old-fashioned people that didn't want to change and wanted to keep things the way they were. They didn't want the world to get better. They wanted it to stay in the terrible, awful world that it was. And you want to be on the right side of progress. The good guys. You want to be on the right side of history. Another way of saying it is you want to be on the right side of whatever trend's moving that way. The right side of style. The right you know, social thinking that's in vogue at the time. Maybe the simplest way of putting it is you want to be on the winning side. And when the dust settles and all is said and done, you want to be on the side that ultimately wins and not on the side that loses. 
And you really can't blame people for thinking that way. I mean, honestly, we think that way too. Who doesn't want to be on the winning side? Especially winning something as big as history, right? That's for all the marbles. Whoever wins history. I mean, no one wants future generations to look back on you and to look back on what we've done today and to be embarrassed or ashamed or look upon us as an obstacles to real progress in the world. However, there's a big problem with wanting to be on the right side of history. See, being on the right side of history is not always being on the right side of God. Being on the right side of apparent progress is not always being on the right side of God. Progress is not always moving in the right direction. And to say that we've won on earth is not the same as winning in heaven. Now the prophet that we read today, a prophet Obadiah, he was writing about a people who wanted to be on the winning side of history. It's a little book. It's only one chapter. It's another one of those prophets that you could sit down and read in a few minutes. And the prophet Obadiah was talking about a people called the Edomites. It was a, a tribe and people living around the city of Edom. Now, the Edomites were a people that were closely related to the Israelites. The Edomites traced their lineage back to a guy named Esau. Now, if you remember your uh, Bible school and your, your, your stories from a child, Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. Both Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. So Esau and Jacob are the grandchildren of Abraham. And Jacob, as we remember, he, he became Israel. That was his name, and the Israel, Israelite nation all traced their lineage back to him. But his brother Esau went off and founded a city called Edom. And all the Edomites looked to Esau as, um, as their ancestor. So you have the Edomites and the Israelites, and the, the Edomites, so they're, they're kind of cousins, right? They're, the Edomites weren't a part of the covenant, right? So they weren't considered the, the Hebrew children, but they were children of Abraham. So there's a little bit of rivalry going on, but they're still family. Now, around 586 B.C., a big power rose up to sack Jerusalem. It was the Babylonians. And the Babylonians were the bad boys on the block. This was the big new empire coming up. This was the trend. This was the style. This was the future. Nobody was stronger than the Babylonians. And the Babylonians rose up and they attacked the city of Jerusalem. And the Edomites, little cousins of the Israelites, they watched Babylon sack Jerusalem and they cheered. They, they did something to support the Babylonians in their attack against Israel. We're not sure exactly what it, what it is. In, um, in Psalm 137, it says, Edom watched and cheered as Jerusalem was sacked, and as the children of God were carted off to Babylon. When we read through Obadiah, it suggests that maybe they were a little bit more involved in this, that maybe they helped sack the city after the Babylonians had done all the heavy lifting and the walls were down. The Edomites came in and did a little bit of pillaging of their own. Um, it also seems that they had um, maybe refused help to refugees, or they may even have attacked some refugees and, um, and stolen their goods when they were in a very vulnerable position. But whatever it was, the Edomites decided they weren't going to be on the side of Israel. 
that they were going to be the side of the Babylonians. And you can't really blame them. Because the Babylonians were so strong. They were so big. They had everything going for them. They had the styles. They had the progress. They had the army. It looked like they were going to be the ones to write the history. Babylon was the future. And Edom decided that they wanted to be on the right side of history. So our prophet today, Obadiah, reminds the Edomites that you can be on the right side of history, but you can also be on the wrong side of God. Now, trying to be on the right side of history, I think at the very beginning, is a bit of a futile task. It's trying to be on the right side of history. We, we, we never know what people are going to think years from now. We don't know what the popular thought's going to be. We don't know what the styles are going to be. To try to be on the right side of history now and to affect what future generations are going to think about us, I mean, it's a futile task. I mean, think about Christopher Columbus. Now, those of you who are my age or older, when we were in school, Christopher Columbus was a hero. He was one of the biggest heroes. I mean, the guy discovered the new world. He had a day named after him, Columbus Day. Lots of sales, all about Columbus. He had avenues named after him. He had schools named after him. He had statues all over him. Now Columbus is a villain. They've torn down his statues. They're changing the names of streets and schools. They still have his day so far, but no one does Columbus Day sales as much anymore. The guy went from hero to villain in about 40 years. Same thing with George Washington. When I grew up, Washington was a hero. He was the guy that saved the revolution, the Valley Forge campaign and, and all that good stuff, being on the first president, face on the quarter. Now his statues are getting torn down too in just 40 years. And in that same 40 years, when I was a kid, Vladimir Lenin was a bad guy. He was like one of the worst of the bad guys. Now we might see his face on the quarter in a few years. I don't think it's going to be quite that bad, but the opinion of Lenin's starting to change. People are thinking, Lenin's the good guy. He's not the bad guy. Washington's the bad guy now. He's no longer the good guy. My point is, you never know what people are going to think of you 100 years from now, 50 years from now, even 10 years from now. The people that are heroes today can be villains tomorrow. The people that are villains today might end up as heroes of history tomorrow. So it's pointless trying to be on the right side of history. It's also pointless trying to be on the right side of progress. Always trying to find the next new style, the new big thing, and, and jumping on the new wave that's sweeping the country. Because it could change in an instant. Who here remembers Howard Dean? Remember Howard Dean? It was about 20 years ago or so. He was, the, um, he was running for the, uh, the Democratic nominee for, for, uh, for the president. And he was the big thing. I mean, he was the next big thing. He was riding this, this huge wave of popularity. And I tell you how big he was, man, the Republicans were scared. They were scared of this guy because he was so popular. Do y'all remember what, what, uh, what ruined him? One yell. He was at a rally, he got excited, and he just yelled. And for some reason, one yell, and he was finished. That's all it took. 
is one yell for it to go viral on the internet and his political career as a candidate for president was done. Back in the 1950s, the big thing was throwaway culture. You can still look at some old ads from the 50s where they were, they were pr proposing that we take all of our dishes and cups and everything and go to paper and plastic. There's even a picture of them tossing this plastic and paper in the air. It's throwaway. Don't worry about it. Just put it in the trash. You don't have to wash dishes anymore. That was the style. Now we look back at those guys and we blame them for ruining our environment. The point being is you can try to be on the right side of history. You can try to be with the right side of progress. You can try to go with the trends and the styles and with the way the wind's blowing today. And it can all backfire on you. Because what's popular today can end up being the joke the next day. You can be the cool kid today, and you can be a punchline tomorrow. You don't believe me? Just ask Vanilla Ice. <laughs> or all those guys that wore leisure suits in the 70s. You looked cool then, but we're laughing at you now. Now, we know this. We all know this. We know that what we should do is strive to do what is right. We should strive to do what is good, not what is trendy, not what is fashionable, not what is acceptable only today. We know that right comes from being not right with the world. It comes from being right with God. I know that God is the author of righteousness. He should be our one true God. He is the giver of our laws and nobody else. And we know sometimes being right by God sometimes means being wrong with the world. Being right by God sometimes means being on the wrong side of history, being on the wrong side of progress, being on the wrong side of power, being on the wrong side of popularity. Sometimes what we should strive to be are the losers. We should strive to be the losers if it means being right with God. But at the same time, we need to remember and never forget that when all is said and done, when the dust finally does settle, when I say the dust settles, when that, when that final dust of the final moment of the world settles, being on the right side of God is also being on the right side of history. Being on the right side of God will ultimately mean being on the right side of real progress. People will skeptically say that history is written by the winners. And that's true. History is written by the winners. But have you read to the end of the Bible? If you haven't, I'll give you a little spoiler here. God wins. God wins in the end, and he's going to be the one that's writing the final history. Not any culture, not any political party, not any denomination. God will be writing our final history and not human beings. This is what the prophet Obadiah has to remind the Edomites. He says this in verse 15, For the day of the Lord is near against all nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And in verse 18, the house of Jacob shall be a fire, the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau 
will be stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. And finally in 21, those who have been saved shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom, the kingdom, shall belong to the Lord. He's telling the Edomites, it looks like now that you're on the right side of history. It looks right now that you're on the right side of progress, but God is going to have the last word. And his day is near. At the end of history, there will only be one kingdom remaining. Every kingdom will belong to the Lord. You know, one of the unsung heroes of World War II is a guy that you've probably never heard of. His name is Aristides Mendez. Aristides Mendez might be responsible for saving more Jewish refugees than anybody else during World War II. He was the uh, Portuguese ambassador to France when the war broke out. And as the Nazis are just pouring over France, this flood of refugees is coming, looking to escape the country. And one of the best opportunities for escape is to get to Portugal, because if you get to Portugal, you can get to anywhere else in the world. But the problem is you needed a visa to be able to leave France and to enter Portugal. This is where Mendes came in. He was, he was the diplomat. He was the ambassador from Portugal. So thousands of refugees are flooding his office and his home, looking for a visa to escape the Germans. The problem he faced was the word from Portugal said, under no circumstance is any Jew allowed to have a visa to Portugal. And all these Jewish refugees were begging for a, a visa, and his conscience and his, and his faith was moving him in one direction, but then his job was telling him to move in another direction. And he, and he had this moment of great agony. He said for two days he stayed locked in his room, just worried about what he should do. And the worst part, he had friends coming to him, and they were saying, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. That's what they said. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history because the Nazis were the future. They were like the Babylonians. They were the big boys on the block. And all the progress, all the momentum was in their corner. Nobody could stand up to them. It looks like they were going to be the ones to write the history. And they told them, Mendez, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You could ruin your career. You could ruin your life. And you could just go down in notoriety forever. And so he agonized for two days in his room. And he finally comes out. And what he said, I'll never forget. He said, I, will, I would rather be on the wrong side of history than the wrong side of God. I would rather be on the wrong side of history than the wrong side of God. He says, everybody gets a visa. And he got his friends, his family, and they all just started just churning visas out and signing them. Somewhere between ten and 30,000 people able to escape Germany, able to escape the Nazis because of what he did that day. And because he decided that he would rather be on the wrong side of history instead of the wrong side of God. And as it turned out, he was on the right side of both. The prophet Isaiah said that Human beings are just like grass, like flowers. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever.
human progress, human style, human trend, human history. It's all like the grass. They have their moment, have their day in their sun, and then they wither and fade. But the word of our God, the word of our God endures forever. Progress and trends and history, right may change from day to day, but the right that God says is right from generation to generation. The way to live might change with the trends, but God, His way is the way and the truth, and it was the way yesterday, it's the way today, and it will be the way tomorrow. Friends, we live in an age today where they call the church backwards. See, the church is obsolete, church is archaic. A dinosaur left over from an old era, better off forgotten. Looks like progress is pointing in one direction and we're pointing in another one. Might feel like we're on the wrong side of history. And that we might get left behind. But what God promised the prophet Obadiah, the saved shall go up to Mount Zion and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. My friends, when history is finished, there will be one kingdom left standing. The question is, where will you be standing? Will you be standing with the winners of the world? Or will you be with the losers of God? Today, today we're going to celebrate the end of history. We actually celebrate at the end of every month. Now, how, you might ask me, is history going to end? History is going to end with a feast. It's going to be a great celebration. It's going to be a celebration of the victory of Christ, and it's going to be a celebration of Christ coming into his kingdom. It's going to be a day when history ends and people will gather from north and from south from east and from west, from every tribe, from every language, from every nation, from every race, the losers of God will come and gather at the table of their king. Friends, this table celebrates the death of our Lord. And in this table, we proclaim the death of our Lord, but this is also a table that celebrates his final victory in history. And until that day comes, we celebrate in faith. And we celebrate in faith knowing that all progress, all styles, all trend, and all history is ultimately moving in one direction. And every day is moving us to one final day, the day when Christ will stand as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's the day when what our faith has been telling us our entire life will finally be revealed before our very eyes. But there's only one right side. And that's the right side of God.